Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Last week on Accent of Women, we brought you a panel discussion on feminist solidarity with Ukraine. And today, we're going to bring you the second half of that discussion. Since the Russian war on Ukraine commenced in February this year, leftist activists have been split on just how to show solidarity. Do we support sanctions? Should we send military aid to the Ukraine? Is this a puppet war for NATO and US imperialism? These debates will continue to be prosecuted and Accent of Women will do its best to bring you a range of divergent opinions on this topic. But as I mentioned, today we'll conclude the feminist panel on solidarity with the Ukraine, organised by Frida Afari. She starts here by introducing herself and the panel. My name is Frida Afari. I am an Iranian-American librarian and translator in Los Angeles and author of the forthcoming book, Socialist Feminism, A New Approach. On behalf of Internationalism from Below, Haymarket Books, Commons Journal and New Politics Journal, I would like to welcome you to today's panel on how feminist solidarity can help Ukraine. Since Russia's full-scale imperialist invasion of Ukraine was launched by Vladimir Putin on February 24th, Putin's speeches, Russian state propaganda, and the actual massacres and rapes committed by the Russian army have revealed the genocidal and misogynist character of this invasion. At the same time, the resistance of the Ukrainian people has been heroic. There have been many other expressions of opposition to this war as well, ranging from global protests to humanitarian aid, convoys, and initiatives by individuals and groups to help the resistance in Ukraine. Ukrainian feminists have been an active part of the resistance, both in actual combat and in various other invaluable capacities, such as healthcare, childcare, food production, communications and strategizing through social media as writers, leaders, and spokeswomen. Among the more than 5 million Ukrainian refugees in Europe who are mostly women and children, many women are promoting valuable communication with the world. The Russian feminist anti-war resistance, though much smaller in comparison, has brought together 40 different feminist groups inside Russia to oppose the invasion. They have also attempted to fight state disinformation by publicizing facts about the war through a telegram channel. However, many of their members, along with other opponents of the war within Russia, have been arrested and silenced by the Russian police state and its campaign of disinformation. Desperately needed is a coordinated global feminist solidarity effort to support the Ukrainian popular resistance and their struggle to maintain their country's independence and democratic rights. Today's panel will argue that solidarity with Ukraine is critical for the present and future of women's rights, anti-racism, labor rights, environmentalism, LGBTQ rights, and the right to truth and social justice seeking. 
the Ukrainian struggle is a determinant for the future of humanity. Our speakers are the following. Yulia Yurchenko is the author of Ukraine and the Empire of Capital, From Marketization to Armed Conflict, published by Pluto Press in 2018. She is a senior lecturer in political economy at the Political Economy Governance, Finance and Accountability Institute at the University of Greenwich, UK. She's also vice chair of the Critical Political Economy Research Network. Oksana Dutchak is a Ukrainian sociologist and co-editor of the journal Commons. She is the deputy director of the Center for Social and Labor Research in Kyiv, where she has studied work and working conditions as well as gender inequalities. She's now a refugee. Sasha Tolliver is a PhD candidate in gender studies at the Central European University in Vienna. And currently she is a fellow at the Leibniz Center for Contemporary History in Potsdam. Sasha explores the role of the state-supported women's organization in the Soviet Union, the Soviet Women's Anti-Fascist Committee in Soviet policymaking, her previous research project was on the underground women's movement in Soviet Leningrad. Sasha has co-edited the book Feminist Samizdat, 40 years after, by, published by Commonplace Books in Moscow in 2020. Wanda Powell is a professor emerita of history at the Los Angeles Southwest College. She continues her work in ethnic studies. Question, uh, Number one is, why is the Ukrainian struggle a determinant for the future of humanity? Um, yes, thank you very much uh, for organizing this important event. And it's, it's, uh, it's really humbling to be part of such a stellar panel in this uh, extremely difficult time. One of the things that I think is important for us globally to learn from uh, this uh, crisis, the Russo-Ukrainian war, is that what we're seeing is the crisis of solidarity and the so-called international order. Uh, and we, we saw that through the developing of the events uh, since February, and we still see it. Uh, and it is a test uh, of this, uh, we see the test of international solidarity and also a precedent to either follow or abandon or perhaps a mix of both. When Putin feels entitled to Ukraine, when Germany tells Ukrainian ambassador that there is no point in helping Ukraine on the day it is invaded, um, we see that what we read in that is that some people are more disposable internationally than other, not least those who will be affected by the disruption of the food supplies right now in North Africa, not only, because they too are being seen as somebody who doesn't matter as much as somebody else. Of course, this is nothing new in international politics, but this is something that I'm sure everybody in this panel and those millions uh, of people who have been displaced and suffering for generations are so tired of. We see a crisis of international legal order. We see that incremental taking away of borders is somehow being normalized. We see that international security order enshrined in the United Nations organizations is not up to functioning. And indeed it was so by design, it was built hierarchical by the victors of the Second World War 
to uh, so that they have more of a say in how the international security is going to function later. So it was faulty by design and we need to be rethinking internationally uh, how to make sure that the world indeed is a secure place for everyone, no matter what country you're coming from, what their GDP is and whether that country has been a colony or not before because we do not have that. All the cracks in the international security order are showing themselves open right now. And there is, of course, also a threat of further militarization and further uh, encroachment of global authoritarianism that we should be fighting tooth and nail on every level in every country. Yet when we think about the ways of building solidarity, which I think is the only way to tackle this machine that is in encroaching on the livelihoods, lives and uh, and our planet everywhere. We need to think of what we, of what we mean by solidarity, because we hear a lot of calls to that, uh, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean the same to everyone. And we need to we need to expand what that word means uh, to us if we try if we are trying to actually build that solidarity. To me, it means seeing the issue at hand, which is the Russo-Ukrainian war and the food crisis and the AIDS crisis and the access to medication and vaccination that. Uh, was uh, so eloquently described just before me um, uh, in this event. What we need to be talking about is we, we first, we need to see these issues uh, via a decolonial, anti-racist, anti-patriarchal, anti-capitalist lens and then act accordingly. We see all those components of social, ecological and environmental destruction right now, like in so many other wars, military, class, gender and class wars. And we must stop them all once and for all. A lot of a lot of this uh, is due uh, a lot of these problems that we see internationally are due to the mainstream analytical frames that inform political choices of the world leaders and their ideological indoctrination into perpetuating the machine of the empire of capital, making sure it's on life support and kicking and alive for the rest of our days. And we must tackle that. In feminism too. There is no unified and dogmatic feminist doctrine, uh, and that and that is not a problem in itself. It's good to have a diversity of voices, and indeed, uh, feminist movements in different countries face a set of different problems. Some are similar, some are quite different, and different ways of feminist thought brought us somewhat different iterations of where our struggle should be focused on. While some principles remain vital, we need to be centering care safeguarding, support for women and those most vulnerable, fighting patriarchy and its dangerous gender norms, dangerous for everyone, dangerous for everyone. Implementation scenarios for those are not always the most unified again, and that presents challenges for Ukrainians affected by the war uh, with wider implications for women and not only. It is popular these days to talk about intersectional feminism, yet what I often gather is that not only class is structurally missing from that intersectionality, or at least obscured in those analyses, but the decolonial and racial politics of them are still very quiet, even if present, are steeped in the reflections of North European colonialisms and their own cultural and racialized schemes of subjugation. For Soviet space, what we have would have been very clear now in the analysis and the interviews and the petitions that we have floating around uh, is kind of still largely a terra incognita uh, for analysts, for correspondents, for scholars outside the uh, what's what's called post-Soviet space, and that also must change. We need to be learning our post-feminists uh, from post-Soviet uh, countries. 
from feminists elsewhere in the world and that that learning should be mutual. We should be learning more about each other's struggles so we can build meaningful solidarity built on the voices of each other and on the needs of each other. And of course, the criticism of capitalism should take center stage globally. Even IPCC reports now make appeal to that. And I think centering the the capitalist system with all of its awful expressions and milita militarized including an ecocidal is something that unifies all of us regardless of where we are internationally and the russo-ukrainian war is bringing into the limelight of the press uh, and the political discourse many of those issues of racialized patriarchal militarized capitalism and we collectively must use this attention to talk of all such wars and crisis and displacement and ecocidal side and understand that the source of those is the same and that we must fight it together in all locations once and for all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Yulia. Uh, I mean, I can, <laughs> I can maybe contribute to this question uh, briefly, but I guess my main part will be the second question, but I just want to um, kind of also remind from a perspective of a feminist from Russia about what Russian state is and what Ukrainians are fighting against now and for for what, right? Because uh, first of all, and it's uh, I think is not discussed very often on um, uh, during discussions about the current war is that Russia itself is turning into clearly fascist state. But what is more important is that Russian oligarchs uh, have been funding alt-right, anti-gender, anti-LGBTQ organizations all over the world for many, many years. And many of the traditional values and anti-gender, anti-LGBTQ, anti-abortion movements all over the world are actually funded by Russian state or uh, uh, oligarchs who are affiliated with the Russian state. And therefore, I think that uh, it adds additional dimensions. So it's kind of fighting against Russian imperialism now. It's also um, fighting against this strong transnational anti-gender movement as well. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. On today's show, we bring you the concluding part of a panel discussion about how feminist solidarity can help Ukraine. The first speaker you heard from was Yulia Yurchenko, and coming up next is Sasha Talavir. With that great introduction, let's go to the next question. What is the current state of the Russian feminist anti-war resistance? What are the connections between them and Ukrainian women? Yeah, thank you a lot for the question. And um, yeah, so I will talk on behalf of this feminist anti-war resistance as I am a member of this movement. Uh, but I will talk only very briefly about what we are actually doing and what it represents. And I would be happy to address this uh, question further in Q&A session if someone is interested. But I would prefer also to focus more on what kind of function Russian anti-war movement plays in the Western discourse regarding Ukrainian war against Ukraine. Uh, so briefly about our movement, our movement was founded on the second day of this new wave of Russian aggression in Ukraine on 25th of February with the manifest that was uh, published and then translated into dozens of languages. And currently our movement is um, uh, structured like a very 
wide network of loosely connected affinity groups which are coordinated via our telegram channel and via our telegram bot so activists from all over the world and uh, mostly from russia uh, can send us their ideas suggestions reports experiences and uh, through this um, feedback we kind of formulate our next actions steps circulate some ideas etc and currently there are we are small movement in comparison of the size of Russia. We have only 30,000 subscribers in our Telegram channel and thousands of activists in Russia. And our actions normally covers uh, from 20 to 100 uh, cities and villages in Russia depends on different actions. For example, uh, for the day, uh, for the uh, so-called victory day in Russia, we tried to sabotage this militaristic uh, celebration in Russia with uh, recalling the actions, which is called Women in Black, when Women in Black, uh, Women in Black stand on the crowded, uh, in the crowded city spaces in silence to attract attention to actually disaster that the war brings. Uh, but um, yeah, so we do, and we're also working with trade unions, we are making small steps to organizing uh, political women's strike. We have a strike fund which supports people who are fired because of their anti-war position, etc. And uh, it was kind of easy to for feminists in Russia to get mobilized against the war because we see this war as a um, extreme culmination uh, of patriarchal violence that we've been living through. But of course, the scale of this violence is incomprehensible for us as people from Russia. We cannot even imagine what Ukrainian people are going through now. But it's uh, for feminists, it's easier to probably switch to anti-war activism precisely because we've been fighting this patriarchal violence for so many years in Russia. And of course, you can see certain connections uh, between um, between uh, patriarchal violence in Russia before uh, the new stage of this war, decriminalization of domestic violence, overtly sexist rhetorics of Putin, etc. And uh, there is no um, kind of surprise in uh, um, the extent to which it unfolded. And uh, that is disastrous. But uh, uh, and we can see that, for example, now among uh, criminal, um, there are criminal rates among women in Russia grew dramatically. About 23% of new criminal cases are against women. And this is connected, of course, with new laws uh, that uh, give criminal charges for fakes about Russian uh, army or for any type of anti-war activity. And uh, yeah, so that's um, that's the kind of overview of our movement. And uh, what is important for us as feminists from Russia fighting against Russian aggression is Ukraine, in Ukraine is to also uh, position ourselves as allies in this struggle, as allies of Ukrainian people. And that's why for us, actually, when we only launched our manifesto, was not even possible to comprehend uh, how our position within discussions about what kind of support Ukraine needs now will uh, play. So as anti-war peaceful resistance from Russia, we got lots of public attention. Uh, we got numerous invitations to different uh, roundtables, um, give interviews, etc. Uh, and we are very grateful for this attention and we are very pleased. It's a huge support. But at some point we realized that we actually uh, kind of 
more used than heard, I would say, in that regard. And we uh, represent kind of pacifist feminist position, which we are not. And this is very important that uh, for us, there is, uh, it is clear as day that there is no uh, very bright perspective for peaceful resistance in Russia to end this war, right? And uh, we, as allies, we totally support uh, not all of us, uh, not, I cannot say that everyone, because we didn't have assembly on this issue, but I can say for sure that most of us whom I know uh, do support, uh, for, uh, for example, military aid to Ukraine, um, as well as sanctions, because we cannot see ourselves as feminists uh, arguing with this demands that are, as Oksana mentioned, deriving from lived experience of people in Ukraine. Um, but uh, as a pacifist movement from pacifist uh, anti-war movement from Russia, uh, we uh, we were not supposed to advocate this position, of course. And that's why partly we got so much attention, probably. Uh, and we think that uh, and we had recently an anecdotal case with our uh, with another manifesto published under our name. And the manifest was against uh, military aid to Ukraine. And when we get into conflict with this uh, US-based magazine, US-based, right, uh, and ask them to change the name of the organization that published this manifest, instead of accepting their mistake and saying sorry and correcting themselves, they suggested us to do our research first. And when we uh, <laughs> encounter such a hostile approach, uh, it just reminded us of what, again, Aksana and Yulia addressed a lot, how this knowledge production is structured and who is allowed to become a source of certain knowledge and who is allowed to become just data for this theory and knowledge production. Um, that was really striking example of limitations of current solidarity and acceptance of others as uh, equal subjects that you should account uh, for. And for us, it's very important as, again, feminists from Russia, um, though I'm not in Russia now, uh, it's really important to emphasize that solidarity uh, in our regard means not only demands and claims, but it also means readiness to, for, uh, to at least share a bit the plight of those who are suffering. And uh, of course, we cannot even imagine what Ukrainian people are going through. Uh, but it is important to give away some level of your security and safety, um, maybe to challenge your own principles to be able to support those who are suffering. And uh, yeah, here I will end. Thank you a lot. That was Sasha Talavia, and before her, Yulia Yudchenko. They were both guests on a panel. Can Feminist Solidarity Help Ukraine? And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kunjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website, and that's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. 
If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.